This is Susan Kane, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shabell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is best-selling author and speaker, Susan Kane. Susan is the author of Quiet, Quiet Power, and Quiet Journal that have been translated into more than 40 languages. Her TED Talk on the power of introverts has been viewed over 40 million times. We talk about her new book, Bittersweet, How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole during this podcast episode. Susan, welcome to Five Questions. Dan, it is so great to see you after so much time. Time has really, really passed. I want to kind of go back to your origin story and talk about how you transitioned to where you are today. How did you transition from your Wall Street lawyer career to being an author? Suffice it to say, I left kind of (laughs) in a hurry and all at once with no idea of what I was going to do next. I thought that I would just take off some time and travel and recharge after having worked like a maniac for the previous decade. But I found myself the very night that I had left, I found myself writing. And I should say writing again, because I had wanted to be a writer since the time I was four years old, but had completely forgotten about that during all the years that I was working 16 hour days. But it all kind of came flooding back the minute that I had mental space. I started writing that night. About a week after that, I signed up for a class at NYU on creative nonfiction writing, got to that class on the very first night and truly felt like I had come home. It really was like one of those cinematic epiphany moments of like, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I should be doing. This is what I want to be doing. And I never in a million years thought I would ever make a paying career out of it. I just knew that I was going to organize my life around it. Yeah. I mean, I remember in high school and even a little bit in college, my writing teachers never thought I was great or anything. They almost said, "Don't you probably don't want to be a writer. It wasn't until this like aha moment that I found something that I really wanted to write where it kind of forced me to become a better writer because I was writing all the time. And I always thought that some of the best writers are the best readers. And I just wanted to read as much as I could about the topic. And back then it was about personal branding, which is many topics combined, right? And so that pushed me to become a better writer. And even though I wasn't looked at as someone who had potential to become a writer in the first place, I think finding that topic, finding something that you enjoy can put kind of the, the pressure and the excitement into becoming something better than you were. Your last book came out 10 years ago. What experiences have you had over the past decade that led you to write your new book, Bittersweet? I wouldn't even limit it to the last decade. Um, I come from a long legacy of generations of love and loss, but the book was actually catalyzed by an experience that I've had all my life when I listened to minor key, could call it sad music. When I was in my law school dorm one day, I was listening to that kind of music, blasting it out from my stereo speakers and some friends came by to pick me up so we could all go to class together. And they were like, what on earth are you listening to? Why are you listening to this funeral music? And at the time I just laughed and went to class. But after that, I, I wondered about this question for the next 25 years. I was wondering, what is it about this music that I actually don't find sad at all, but rather find um, to be very 
uplifting and to give me a sense of deep communion with all other humans who have also experienced the sorrow that the music is expressing. And also a kind of awe musician's ability to transform pain into something so beautiful. And that really set me off on this quest to understand what it means that all of us humans live in a world of joy and sorrow. And that that's the nature of our experience, even though we don't talk about that in this culture of ultra positivity. That is in fact the human experience. And I went on this years long quest to understand it and found that our moments of sorrow and longing really are one of the great gateways that we have to creativity and connection and love. But so many people ignore those, right? And actually project their issues, their pain and trauma onto others. Why do you think? I believe when we have a painful experience, when something happens to us, we have two choices. We're not conscious of this fork in the road, but we are at a fork. One pathway is to deny the pain or bury it. And then inevitably to take it out either on ourselves in the form of a terrible depression or something like that, or we can take it out on somebody else too, through abuse or passive aggressiveness or whatever it is. There is a different pathway that people have been following for centuries, which is to acknowledge pain. It's not that we welcome it. We don't welcome it, of course, but to acknowledge that it happened and to transform it somehow into some form of beauty. This is what creative people do. They're imagining a different world where that pain is transformed one way or another, or they're, they're reaching for a better world. We also have a centuries old archetype that we call wounded healers, which are people who have been wounded in one way or another, and then figure out a way to heal themselves or to heal others of the same pain. And you see this in very grand manifestations, you know, there's a thousand examples we can look at, but we don't have to practice that on such a grand scale. You know, you, you can do it in, in very small acts of healing of ourselves and others, but none of this can happen. None of this creativity can happen. None of this healing can happen and so on until we decide to take what I would call the right fork in the road. Now a word from our sponsor. It's time to think about healthcare benefits, especially pharmacy benefits, very differently. Employers need to demand more from their pharmacy benefit manager and expect outstanding financial and health outcomes for their members. Empirix Health is one of the fastest growing healthcare companies in America. It's the most clinically advanced PBM in the country and the only value-based one for seven years running. Personalized healthcare done right without any drug pricing or financial games is what you should expect from a benefits partner. The time is now to reimagine healthcare benefits. Go to EmpiricsHealth.com for more information. And you talk about this idea of the bittersweet state of mind. How can it help us deal with pain, anxiety, and rejection? What bittersweetness is, it's an acute awareness, as we said, of the joy and sorrow of life, that life is a constant mix of light and dark, bitter and sweet. Once you take that in, you end up with a kind of piercing joy at the beauty of everything, at the beauty of the world, because you're so intensely aware of it. It's also coupled with an acute awareness of passing time and the impermanence of everything. And we actually know from studies by an incredible Stanford psychologist named Laura Karstensen that when we are in a state that she calls awareness of fragility, when we are aware of the fragility of life, when we're in that state of awareness of fragility, we also get into a better state of more happiness, less anger, easier for us to feel gratitude and forgiveness. The state of wisdom that's often attributed to getting older, it turns out that you don't actually have to go through all the years that older people have been through to, to reach that state. It's rather just the state of being aware of life's fragility. 
And there are a lot of different ways to get there. I mean, like the Stoics have been practicing this for thousands of years. They call it memento mori, the constant uh, remembrance that this life is fleeting and that it could go away tomorrow. And that far from that being a morbid realization, it's instead something that infuses every moment with incredible meaning, significance, and a lot greater capacity for joy. Yeah, it helps you put life in perspective. And a lot of my friends who also experienced hardships or, or just big challenges over the past few years and even before that, I always think these are some people who can get through anything because look what they've already gotten through. It's almost like these experiences people have and overcome or learn to deal with and manage. It's almost like a kind of a skill set and experience that can help you get through other aspects of life that you might have to deal with that you're not aware of yet. And what's your best piece of career advice? We in this culture are constantly told that if you believe enough in your dream, you will chuck everything for the sake of going for it. And I think that's terrible advice. It's terrible advice because first of all, your dream may not come true. That's reality. I hope it does, but it may not. But even more to the point, your dream is more likely to come true if you have a backup plan, because then you won't be devoting so much of your cognitive and emotional energy to worrying about paying the rent or what happens if this fails or whatever. So have a backup plan, have an alternative source of income, even if it's very modest, you know, look for something that you can do. I know it sounds very grand and glamorous to chuck it all and not worry about the consequences, but having a plan B is a much better way to go. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Susan. To follow her journey, you can read her book, Bittersweet, and find her on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, where she shares her appearances, events, ideas, and inspiration. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Bell, and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. <laughs>